This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome to Journey to Greatness number 10. Tonight's share is dedicated Lili Nishmas Chaim Ben Yaakov Shmuel Elephant, who tragically passed away last week. The stories that are coming out about, you know, his amazing chesed, dedication to his family, and all that is really amazing. And I think that probably the most incredible part of this tragedy is how his parents, Yankee and Lisa Elephant, have reacted, which was immediately to encourage everybody to take something. It could be anything. Take something on as a schos. It doesn't have to be a long-term commitment. It could be anything. So I would encourage everybody who's listening, if you can, anything. It could be a bracha. It could be chesed. It could be anything. Take it on. Dedicate it. Chaim ben Yaakov Shmuel. We should have a and his family should have a Um And with that, tonight's year is dedicated to dedicated So we're up to a concept which I like to think that I understand, but to be honest, I don't think I fully get it because we're sort of holding towards the second half of this Sefer where he starts to get very deep. And I think the next few weeks, we're going to start delving into a certain panemius, which we can talk about and hopefully develop together as a group, but may not be something that is just, you know, easy to just understand. He says words here, which I'll say in English, but I think that the Hebrew actually gives it more of a potency. And it's probably a good song, like a Yosef Kugler song. You know, like he has like these uh, words in Svarim. I think this would be a good one of those things. He says... Without hard work, person cannot accomplish anything. So I'll say it again. Without hard work, you can't accomplish anything. But if you put in hard work, you could accomplish anything you want. What does that mean? It almost seems like most of us, I think, go through our lives in ways where we accomplish a lot. And if I say to you, like, are you driving pedal to the metal every day? The answer, I think, for most people is probably not. Like, you go through the motions, and you go through your day, and you do whatever it is. So what exactly is he is he saying here? Without hard work, you can't accomplish anything. But if you have hard work, then you could, you could accomplish everything. What does that mean? So I was recently talking to a... A, a doctor who gave me a little direction in life, more than a suggestion, but a little bit, you know, and I think that this sort of sums it up. The doctor told me, he asked me if, if I move a lot, something they call exercise. I don't know. So, so I was, I was telling him like, no, not really. I don't, you know, I'm an accountant and I sit behind the desk all day and I don't really get, you know, I don't get to move a lot. So he said, is there anywhere near you where there's like a walking track or an area that people go walking. I told him, yeah, there's right here. People go, it's like a two mile loop. So he said to me, he said that medicine, medical, like medically, you know, they've, they've discovered, I guess, that a person's body, if you don't push it, meaning if you just simply go through motions, you're accomplishing like 1%. But if you push it, you push your body and you feel intensity, which could be that you break a sweat, like your your like your breathing gets heavier, you feel like you actually pushed yourself a little bit, then you should know that medically you're, and he gave me like a whole list of things that I was accomplishing. He said, 
you know, your, your, the way that you, you know, you, you metabolism and your breathing and, and, and your circulation and your mental clarity and your stress, like endorphins. He was like listing like a thousand benefits. I was like, it's very interesting. It means that if you do the same exact thing, but you walk around two mile loop in, let's just say a half hour, you accomplish almost nothing. Whereas if you do that exact same thing, but with some intensity, let's say 22 minutes, whatever the number is, you should know that the benefits are like a thousand times more. And that really surprised me. And I'd like to think that in a certain way, that's really what he's saying here. He's saying that within our lives, you can do the same thing. You'd have the same chesed, the same davening, the same learning. It could be a share, it could be anything that you go through. And in a certain way, it just goes through you doesn't impact you whatsoever. But if you put in yigia, if you break a sweat, metaphorically, if you put in the effort, then it will actually have an impact on you. So what does that mean? The muscle that he gives, or really the warning that he gives, is that many of us sort of live our lives almost within like a swamp call it like tar. He refers to it almost like a pit of tar, where like a person's foot gets stuck and then they put the other foot down in order to get it out and they finally pull it out and then they put this foot down to get out the other foot and their whole lives, they're just going from one foot to the next. Whereas if you think like a bird that falls off a tree, if it just flaps its wings once, it's going to fall into the ground. But if that bird really puts in its kaychas and really like flaps its wings, it will take flight. In order for a person to elevate themselves, and to grow and to take flight in your own personal life, the only way, that's why I think these words are so potent, the only way, it's not that this is a way, if you don't do this, you cannot accomplish anything. Or does it mean? Of course I accomplished. I davened, I did chesed. The answer is, you did it. You did a 1% thing. But ultimately, has it has it changed you? Has it Has it impacted you? Has it have you metamorphosized from what you did? The answer will be no. You will have accomplished. You will have done things. You will have checked those boxes, but you will not have changed. You will not have converted yourself. If you want to change yourself, the only way to actually change yourself, the only way is only with only if you break a sweat. If you don't break a sweat in something, it's absolutely not possible. So the obvious thing, obvious thing that comes to mind would be davening and pirish hamilas and having kavana, clearing your mind, doing chesed, something that is not just that you're going along the way anyways, but that you're actually going out of your way or pushing yourself or doing something challenging. And I think that those are, those are almost like the, the easy things. But in a sense, you know, I think one of the most common questions that I get asked when it comes to dating, Lamashal, is people who are dating but doing this like metaphorical tango okay what does that mean it means they're on a date they don't know they're here they're there and the muscle that i always give over is that if somebody's on a date with somebody and in your mind you may or may not get engaged to them you may or may not like them you may or may not connect to them emotionally when your mind is playing that game how much are you actually in the date how much you actually committed to this relationship at most, maybe 50%, 60%. And the other person's also maybe 40, 50, 60%. And you're playing this like little dance. But if a person throws themselves over the cliff 
They jump into this like 100%. Like I am in this. Like I'm already engaged. I'm already a kala. Mazel tov. Nobody called me. It's fine. I'm already there. I'm already a kala. I'm already there. If you get yourself there, then you'll see that the way you react within the relationship will be somebody who's already in it completely, fully. And the person usually will reciprocate. And then you can have a real understanding, a clarity as to whether this is a relationship that you can now make a decision on. This, this idea of throwing yourself into something fully, of breaking a sweat, of taking the plunge, of doing it 100% opens up your eyes. It opens up your emotions. It, it allows you to experience things that otherwise you would be not able to experience. So that's, let's call it, that's idea number one. When we were on a Shavuos program, for those of you who are there, Rabbi Label Lam, he said that, he said, I once had the most amazing experience that I went to Israel and I went to the Kaisal and I had nothing to do that day. Cleared my whole schedule. I sat down and I just was reading the words, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. And he was focusing on the word Hashem and on the concept of Echad. And he said, I sat there for over an hour in my mind, just processing through Hashem is Echad. What does that mean to be Echad? Echad is the only one you could rely on. Echad is all the good and all the bad. It's really one. It's not good and it's not bad, right? Hashem is two sides of the same coin. That means that Hashem has a plan for the world and I don't perceive that plan. And on and on in his mind, he went down this rabbit hole of just digesting and internalizing the word Echad. And he said he sat there for over an hour just thinking of Hashem is Echad. Hashem is Echad. Hashem is Echad. That transforms a person. That is not somebody who said Shema today. That is not somebody who said that is somebody who took the time to sweat something through. How often, maybe a younger brother, somebody came over to you and said, um, could you help me with my homework? And it's like a long division or one of those things. And you go like, oh, the, I don't know, you know, like call Tati or take out a calculator. You know, like you can't do it because your brain is used to going A, B, I don't know. You can't, your brain, you're not used to testing the limits of your mind. To try to calculate pi, right? 22 divided by 7, and then go through the steps and carrying the numbers and going through 3.14, right? Your brain doesn't do that because you're just like, I, I don't know. If you want to push your mind, you have to test yourself mentally. If you want to push your midos, you have to push yourself in your midos. You want to push your chesed, you have to push your chesed. You want to push your tefillah. You have to do it with a certain intensity, and then it, it sticks with you. And what I was thinking off of this idea was very much that we're told when we're younger, obviously, that a person's progression of everything that they do in their life, it really starts with a makshava, and then it gets transported into dibor. You talk about things, and then it gets maisa, right? So you might think about a handbag that you want to buy, right? It might be like $1,000 or whatever, right? You think about it, and you go, ah, it's crazy, it's crazy. Right? And then you'll keep thinking about it, and then you go, hey, it's not so crazy, right? And then you'll talk to your friend, like, is it crazy, right? <laughs> and then before you know it, it's already in your Amazon card. It's crazy, came back, I could always order and return it, right? That's how your your brain works. If it thinks about it, you talk about it, and then then it's Misa, then it happens. Rav Chaim Velazhen says, of those three things, which one do you think is the most potent? Machshava, Dibor, or Misa? Rav Chaim Velazhen says, it's Machshava. Machshava is the top of the chain. That means if you pick up Machshava, you pick up Dibor. If you pick up Dibor, you pick up 
Maisa. Does that make sense? If you if your brain gets elevated, then your speech gets elevated. And if your speech gets elevated, then your action gets elevated. If you if you change your brain, if you change your mind, then you change everything. There's a very famous saying that it's not what happened to you, it's what you think happened to you or how you process happened to you. What does that mean? It means people go through different experiences, but if a person has control over their mindset, then they can switch from being a victim to being a victor, right? From from being somebody who looks down to somebody who looks up. Two people could go through very similar experiences, but how you process what happened to you or what's going on in your life or how you perceive people, things, events, whatever it may be, that is what trans- transforms everything. That's how you'll talk. You'll either be angry or you'll be grateful, right? And then how you react or act to those specific set of circumstances, that is going to change you. So a person's mind, controlling your mind, is one of the levels, I think probably the level, that is incumbent upon a person to focus on rather than speech, which is really an expression of your mind, rather than your action, which is the act that you do after your brain processes something, if a person focuses on transporting their mind, of elevating their mind, that person actually will experience real change. There's a person that I know who told me that a few years ago, there was a guy who came over to him and gave him like the deal of a lifetime. You know, if you invest with me, million dollars, whatever it was, you're going to get you know, whatever the return is, he laid out a whole deal for him. The guy was all excited, sent him the money, and he was very excited. And that was the last time he heard of the guy. <laughs> the guy disappeared. All of a sudden, I don't know, it's very unclear, yada, yada, yada. And the guy, basically, his money was gone. So he tried to call the guy, email him, lengthy, lengthy, Besden, court. We're talking, like, just on and on and on. He told me that about a year and a half after this person basically defrauded him, he was at a certain simcha, and there was a guy there, and he said, oh, you know, did you hear this in this guy? So he said, yeah, sure, I heard of this guy. You know, he didn't tell him the story, but he said, yeah, sure, I heard of this guy. He said, wow, this guy is amazing. He's such a Baal Chesed, such an amazing Baal Tzedakah. What this guy is doing for the community is just unbelievable. He's dedicating this, and he's doing this. And the guy sitting there, he's like, yeah, with my money, he's dedicating this and he's doing, you know, opening up a school. And he said the resentment that he felt besides everything else, it was like insult to injury going through what he went through. And he said it was like a four year process of him working, obviously controlling his mind to be able to forgive and forget and move on and allow this to not impact his business and his marriage and his family and his health and his wealth and his well-being, be able to like grow from this. And one of the things that he had to focus on was the idea of there are certain benefits that going through this experience did for me. It allowed me to transform myself. It allowed me to be more diligent. It allowed me to, you know, have more rahmanas on people, to maybe judge people in a different light, etc. Cetera, et cetera. He went through like a very lengthy process. I was talking to him for hours and hours. He was going through like his whole mindset until the point where he was able to think of the person and just smile and be like, yeah, that was painful. Like in the past, like that was painful. This is a metamorphosis. I think most people, when it comes down to it, if I say to you, like, can you control your emotion? Can you control your mindset? For most people, that's 
very, very challenging. What do you mean? My mind is here. I can't, I can't grab it. I can't grab it. I can't, I can't control it, but you, you can. You can because throughout our day, throughout our life, throughout our week, we always have challenges. And the way that we are able to grasp a hold of ourselves during those moments, it could be as simple as Dominic Shmanesri and a foreign thought flies in, push it out. It could be, should I get angry right now? Let me try to rise above this. Being able to control your mind means that you're actually able to control your life. A few years ago, many years ago, when Rav Schneier Cutler was very sick, his Talmidim were dominating for him, obviously, and his condition deteriorated significantly. And some of his Talmidim got very, very, you know, like, what's going on? We have tefillah. Like, well, what's happening? You know, we're all davening. We're BMG. Like, we're rocking the Kisei HaKavit. Like, why is it not working? And a group of Talmidim went to the stipler, and they sat with the stipler, and they were, like, munning the stipler, you know? Like, like what's going on? Like, our tefillah, what happened? And the stipler smiled, and he says, yeah, yeah, your tefillah, your tefillah is good. It's powerful. It's working. But you should understand something about tefillah. Tefillah may work today, may work tomorrow, may work next week, may work in a year, may work for your great-grandchildren. You don't know. Tefillah is tefillah. It has an impact. It's not up to you to have that vision of, I did this, and therefore, why is Hashem not answering me? These little nuances of being able to perceive the world through real emuna and real bitachan, as opposed to, I daven, then why doesn't Hashem answer me, and now I'm angry at God? That mindset is a very small mindset. That's somebody who does not have a lot of control over their mind. They don't have a lot of control over their emotion. They, they yes, were strong enough to be able to, to daven, to throw in the tefillah, but to be able to really see it through to the end, to have enough emotional fortitude to be able to understand that we don't see the whole picture, that's something that takes sometimes a little bit of practice. Okay? So that is the second idea. The third idea is as follows. It's based on a Gemara, very famous Gemara, for those of you who learn Gemara, as I'm sure you'll be very well-versed in this. The Gemara talks about a case that came in front of Hillel. And the case was that right before Pesach, in the days of the Pesach Megdash, they had to shech the carbon Pesach on Erev Pesach. And the story goes was that they came to Hillel and they said, what happens if Erev Pesach falls out on Shabbos? And Shabbos taking a chalaf is muksa. And how, how, do, how do we go about this? How do we go about taking the knife and bringing it to the Pesach Megdash? How do we do it? And Hillel, who's the Gadol Adar, he thought about it and he said, you know, be honest with you, I don't, I don't know, I'm not, not familiar. And he said, you know what? Klal Yisrael, imlav neviim heim. If they're not neviim, b'nei neviim heim. They're b'nei neviim. So don't worry about it. Just watch what everyone does and you'll see what to do. It came that Shabbos and people looked around and intuitively they figured out that the knife, which is muksa, they put it on top of the animal, which is also muksa. And they walked alongside the animal, and the animal walked with the knife between its horns, and it was walking to the Beis HaMikdash. That was the answer. So he talks about this concept of being Nevi'im versus B'nai Nevi'im. And what does this mean? So within our lives, he talks about the concept of somebody who learns a lot. Everybody here wants to marry, of course, a Lamdin, a Tzadik, a Masmed. That's knowledge. Knowledge in somebody's brain is one idea. But the essence of a person saying that I am my parent's son or grandchild is the essence of who I am. Saying that somebody is a Navi means that a person has Navua. They have achieved a certain level of knowledge. Saying that somebody is B'nai Naviim, it means that in your bones, your bones are like 
Like you come from the VM, so you're B'nai Nevi'im. It's in your bones. Even if you don't have Nevuah, it's in your bones. It's like a Ben Taira. What does it mean a Ben Taira? It's, it's in their bones. There's somebody who, it's in their bones. It's in their bones. It doesn't mean yeshivish, by the way. It means it's in your bones. Your, your bones have a certain, Metiyah, it pushes you in a certain, like your moral compass is facing north. Why? Because that's how you grew up. That's the yeshivas you were in, the schools, the seminaries, the hashkafa, the shiur. You're, you're programmed to go in a certain direction. Does it mean you're a lamdan? You're the smartest, wisest person that ever? No. But it means that if you're, if you're challenged, if you're pushed, your moral compass will push you in a certain direction. Does that make sense? Whereas an Amara, it's somebody who, you're a nomad. You're just dragged around. You're here, you're there. You're, 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 when you're pushed, your instinct is not to react in the right way. I, I, I've said this story probably a thousand times, but I think it's Kedida repeat because it happened with me and whatever. It's a good story. Anyway, the story goes that Rabbi Berkowitz would always say that when it comes to um, El Yam Narayim, the most potent words within that whole 40-day window from El to Yom Kippur are the words V'loy Shavalanu, that a person lives their life knowing what is worth it and what is not worth it. And if a person simply asks themselves that one question, is this Shavalanu, is this worth it? Then your brain will tell you yes or no. Your neshama will guide you yes or no. And when you're standing and you're doing tshuva, you're saying, I did certain things that for life shavalon wasn't worth it. At the end of the day, it just wasn't worth it. I did this. I spoke Lashonar. Wasn't worth it. I wasn't so honest. It wasn't worth it. it you're, you're, you're recalibrating your brain as to what was and what was not worth it. I do not digest nuts. I eat nuts, cashews, almonds, whatever. I, I can't physically eat those foods. One year, a couple years ago, we got new ice cream for Shabbos that was parv, and it was made out of cashew milk that was on Shabbos. And we had this little conversation as to, is cashew milk cashews or is cashew milk not? Legabe me. This wasn't like a Google situation. Like, couldn't figure this out. It was just a question. So I usually err on the side of caution. I was like, nah, probably not. And my wife was more enthusiastic that I for sure could eat this. Like, come on, it's not a big deal. It's just cashew milk. It's not a big deal. And I was like, no, yeah, no. And I was like, come on, take a little bit. It's not going to kill you. Like, you're not allergic, allergic. It's a little bit. It's milk. It's nothing. Cashew milk. It's like not even a thing. You know, people eat almond milk. Cashew milk. Who eats it? Just try it. can kill you. It took a little bit. And it happened to be, it was like the best ice cream ever. It was like the best ice cream ever. So I was like, okay, I can wait a few minutes. Okay, I'm not, I'm not dying. Take a little bit more. So I take a little bit more, a little bit more. And I mean, Vinyavin, this ice cream didn't survive. Okay, so fine, very nice. And I was like, well, excited, like, great, I ate this cashew Not long after, I was driving on the highway. And the cashew decided that, no, this is not, this is not okay. And it was almost like an allergic reaction. Like my fingers were erupting. My eyeballs were popping out of my head. I literally was having like a massive allergic reaction to this cashew milk. And I was sending my life messages on the highway and I was driving and I was like, that was the only word. Like I was like, this was so not worth it. This, this ice cream was great. This was not worth it. And the entire trip I was driving, I said to my wife like, I may pull over to go to the hospital. I just want you to know, FYI, I might be in the hospital. <laughs> but if I'm not in the hospital and I come home, like get rid of all of this cashew milk stuff. Like, this is absolutely not worth it. I think that in our in our lives, in our days, 
is where a person stops before an action, before a reaction, before a statement, before they look at something, before they watch something, and they have complete control over their mind, their speech, their actions, their eyes, their thoughts, their emotions, and in a certain sense, their life. And they ask themselves this question, is this worth it? Meaning, am I living a life that's gahibin, that's uplifted? Am I living a life that is changing me as a person, that I'm growing as an individual, that as a ben taira, as b'nei as people who are like transporting themselves in their mind, am I actually growing and metamorphosizing? Or am I just going through the motions of my day? Am I going through the motions of my life? If a person lives with that, with that, with that feeling that I'm growing, that my life has has meaning, has value, has purpose, then they're they're on the right track. You know, what's very interesting is that this series specifically, I can't tell you how many emails I got from people who maybe it's a bad thing, but I think it's a good thing. They they they've written, I feel like I'm finally thinking that I have to find my tafkid in life. I never thought about it. I never thought that I would think that I should try to find the tafkid, a reason to live, rather than just going through the motions. And now that I'm hearing these ideas, let me start actually looking for it. I think that's amazing because rather than just checking the box and moving on with our lives, if a person goes through their daily grind but doesn't actually feel something, if your neshama just doesn't feel alive because you just go to work and then you go to sleep and you watch something and you go to bed, if that's your whole day, if your whole life, so then, so then what, what are you becoming? You're not becoming anything. You're in a state of being. You're being a Jew. It's very nice to be a Jew. You want to become something. You want to become great. You actually have to go along the process. When I was in Eretz Yisrael, there was a couple that, that worked from when they were very young. I'm talking like 18, 19. They both worked together on Wall Street making very, very serious money, talking like over, you know, like seven figures every year. And they got married. They were like 20, I'm going to say 25, 26, you know, like not very old. And they had a conversation. And their conversation was, you know, what are we working for? What's the point of all this? So we'll have enough money to raise our children. Okay, then what? Then, and they sort of laid out their life that one day they're going to, get up and move to Eretz Yisrael and, you know, live the, the dream of being mashpia, yidin, and whatever. And then one of them turned to the other and said, when do you think that one day is going to happen? When we have our children in yeshiva and it's too old, like they're too old to, to, to move? When we're like settled into community and it's hard to uproot? Like they went through all the reasons why it's not going to happen one day. And from that conversation, within a few weeks, obviously they didn't recklessly do it. They wrapped up their affairs here. They moved to Eretz Yisrael. They had enough money put away. They were able to continue working. And they're living the dream that one day, one day, one day, most people say, one day I'll get to. They actually started living it on a daily basis. They have a real seepuk. They have real drive. They have real meaning, real accomplishment in their life. I think many people, unfortunately, live their lives of just simply being, of just simply doing. We're good Jews because we do the right thing and we don't do the wrong thing. And it's very good. That's, that's a good start. Don't get me wrong. It's very good to be on that level. But if a person wants to metamorphosize, a person wants to grow, a person wants to actually change, you don't wait for one day. You don't wait for that one day. That one day I'll be calm. 
One day I'll stop yelling at people. One day I'll be honest. One day I'll do this. Not one day. Today. Today is the day that you're going to actually change. You're going to actually do something. It's funny. I actually had a couple that came to me once and they were having a lot of issues in marriage. And as they were sitting at the meeting, the husband said, okay, so like, you know, we'll see you in a week. I said, no, you're not going to see me in a week. Tomorrow I want to get, I want to get an email from you. So he said, tomorrow, tomorrow's like tomorrow, it's 24 hours. You know, like, what are you saying tomorrow? I said, yeah, you, you think that you're going to come back in a week and you come back in another week, another week. In 10 weeks, you'll, you'll start working. It means like for 10 weeks, your wife is going to be miserable and you're going to be miserable. You want to actually do something. It has to start here, now, tonight. Why are we waiting for some other time to start changing something? And if you keep doing what you did before, you're not going to have to do anything different. So then your marriage is going to continue to suffer. If we keep doing whatever we did yesterday, that's not change. Growth and change and development takes real effort. It takes real kaifas. If somebody doesn't do that, it's fine. You're a nice, wonderful person and, and it's fine. You're great. Right, but you're not going to get to anything. You're not going to achieve anything. You're not going to change anything. But you should know if you put in effort, real effort. You want to get smarter? Challenge your brain. You want to get kinder? Challenge your emotion. Challenge your mind. Challenge what you say. If you want to actually change something, if you put in that work, you can accomplish anything that you want in your life. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.